You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz with Karen and Natasha. And we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing well, thanks, Karen. I hope all's well at Spice Radio. We're doing very well, Charlie. It's the weekend, so we're super excited. Now, Charlie, I wanted to get your thoughts on this one story, because personally, I feel it hasn't gotten a lot of attention, and I think it's kind of a big deal. Um, so this retired Air Force officer claims that the U.S. is covering up long-standing knowledge of UFOs. And I saw people on social media saying, why aren't we talking about this? They're saying that there are aliens out there. So, Charlie, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, it was retired Major David Grush, um, and he was part of the what's called the UAP task force, and now I guess he's, he's a whistleblower, and um, the UAP is uh, it's, it's called Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, not aerial, because some of these phenomena actually show up in water. And so, so he's revived something that's been discussed for, for a very long time. I remember writing a book, I mean, writing an article <laughs> in 2010, which was a book by uh, a U.S. writer named Leslie Keane, where she was uh, citing all of these uh, former government officials in several countries, um, pilots and generals who'd gone public about unidentified flying objects, and what what was in that book, which I found quite fascinating, was that, first of all, it had high praise. A person from the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics called it a terrific book. Um, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy Director in Bill Clinton's administration said it was a fascinating, thought-provoking book, and the foreword was written by the co-chair of Barack Obama's transition team. So this was a you know, a book that was approved by, by many establishment figures. And what um, they found was that 5% of the UFO sightings cannot be easily attributable to earthly sources. Um, and the, the experts uh, who came to this conclusion, this was a 13-member panel, wrote that the extraterrestrial hypothesis offered the best explanation. So, so they're not um, going out on a limb and saying something declarative, but, but it also reinforces what we just saw come forth this week. And, and the author of that book, Leslie Keene, had said, I felt at that point she had a leg to stand on to write a book on the topic when you get people you know, with those credentials saying things like this. Um, but she also had chapters that were written by pilots and high-ranking military officials who claimed to have seen UFOs. So, so I don't think we can we can discount this, you know, <laughs> without giving it some consideration. And Charlie, I was just sharing with Mankaran this morning that a lot of Americans actually have taken uh, UFO insurance. Uh, did you know about that? No, I didn't know about that. I I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> Just for $24, yeah? And 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 at least more than 50% of Americans believe that there is you know life out there and the government knows more than what it's telling about UFOs. Of course, they do have the Area 51 as well. Yeah, and the other thing in the book that I had read, the man who ran the French government's UFO agency for 21 years, 
Jean-Jacques Velasco, that he stated uh, that in some rare cases, UFOs appear to be under some kind of intelligent control. Um, so he had written that he was fascinated with the possible correlation between nuclear activity, the location of nuclear weapons storage facilities, and the presence of UFOs. So they, they were able to graph the relationship between atomic explosions and visual radar sightings, looking at the similarity of the two curves. So, you know, it raises the question whether UFOs were actually monitoring this activity. Ooh, a lot but, of mystery. <laughs> one thing, anyway, one thing, one thing. I agree. There's more intelligence force out there than the ones on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. But I think, yeah, this is something that a lot of people are keen on. But Charlie, do you believe in aliens? Like, do you think they're a real thing? Well, I, I believe there's, there's, there is probably life somewhere else in the universe. What form it takes. Like here on Earth, we have this combination of you know carbon dioxide and oxygen and water and it all gave gave birth to life um so we don't know what the circumstances are in other galaxies that might give birth to life but i suspect um that life does exist outside of earth 100%. I'm with you there, Charlie, and I look forward to more updates on this story. And now, Charlie, another story that was really big in the world of politics here in Canada, uh, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently had a shuffle in his cabinet. There's some new faces and familiar faces, but also he dropped about seven ministers because, you know, many people are saying they won't be rerunning. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this shuffle that Trudeau has done. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say something that, that you probably haven't heard elsewhere in the media. I think what Trudeau wanted to do, well, it's an election, election shuffle, everyone knows that. Yes. But I think he wanted to put white males in high-profile portfolios where they would show up on TV answering questions in question period because he feels that he needs to gain support with more white males. He's very well supported, the liberals, by the, lib by the um, women voters and by various communities, um, he's doing quite well there. But the conservatives have a huge lead there. So Anita Anand, for instance, was a very competent minister, is suddenly shuffled from defense, where she's on the news almost, you know, several times a week, to the president of the Treasury Board. It's still an important position she has, but she's disappeared off TV screens. And I think Trudeau's concern was that uh, the perception of his government was it was skewed too far, and this will probably make you laugh, Mancarin, in light of history and systemic discrimination, but that, if, that I think he wanted to diminish the presence of women in his cabinet going into the election. And so how did that manifest itself? Well, Carla Qualtro, who is the Minister of Employment, and she was basically demoted to just being sport and, and disabilities, um, replaced by a white male. Anita Anand, who's a very capable minister, is now on Treasury Board, replaced by white male Bill Blair. He, he kind of dumped some of the more beta male, I should, maybe I shouldn't use that's a controversial term now, he used to be not, 
Um, but moving up the um, the uh, Bill Blair, who again played this role in the 2019 election, he was elevated to public safety minister and was on the news all the time, former police chief in Toronto, big burly guy. Well, now he's the defense minister. Um, you've got Dominic LeBlanc, who's a very scrappy and pugnacious uh, and intelligent politician. Um, he's being you know, moved up to public safety, and I think this is an attempt to blunt the conservatives. And I think he couldn't move uh, Christy Freeland, and I don't think he wanted to, um, because she's the deputy prime minister and she's minister of finance, and Melanie Jolie is critical um, for his political future, in part because of Quebec. And so I think the numbers uh, meant that the short stick went to Anita Anand and Carla Qualtrough. So, you know, I don't know. Other people may question what I'm saying, but, but my sense is he wants to bring boost the support of the liberals. They're, they're below the conservatives right now in the polls. And his, and this is his response. And I think it might work. That's quite the perspective there, Charlie. So to me, from what I see here, he really does see Pierre Polyev as quite a threat in comparison to the other conservative leaders we've seen in the past. Because even the conservatives, too, they've been shuffling, they've been changing leadership. But do you think Pierre Polyev is possibly the one who could potentially beat Justin Trudeau in 2025? Though that's, well, that's a long way. Government, Yeah, government sometimes lasts about 10 years. Uh, he's, he's now in year eight. The other thing he did, too, which was, I thought, quite smart and quite political. He promoted um, Arif Virani as to the Minister of Justice. This is Miley from, from Toronto, smart man. Um, but he also uh, promoted uh, uh, the uh, a minister, I mean, uh, an MP of uh, uh, Sri Lankan heritage, born in Sri Lanka, Gary Anand, Anand Sangari, I'm guessing that... <laughs> Natasha can pronounce his name better than me, but I think I've got it right. So he's been promoted, and then also uh, promoting uh, a Filipino Filipina MP from Mississauga, Reggie Valdez, to um, cabinet as small business. So what he's done now by having person of Sri Lankan heritage, Ismaili heritage, and Filipino heritage in cabinet, it's going to help him with fundraising as he goes towards the election cycle, because you can have these big dinners, and with election finance reform, you can only get a small amount from each donor. You can't go to the Royal Bank of Canada and get $80,000 anymore. So you need money to run the campaign. And I'm not saying that these ministers are not competent, because I think they are. Um, I think all three of them are, are have earned a place at the cabinet table. But at the same time, there's the, the coincidental effect of helping the liberal fundraising machines. So that's another way that I think this, um, but interestingly, they were put in positions that won't get quite the same firepower in question period as the Minister of Public Safety and the Minister of Defense, because these are two issues that the Conservatives love to hammer away on. And finally, Charlie, shifting, shifting gears, um, Monsoon Festival of Performing Arts is entering its eighth year. Uh, tell people about it who may not be familiar with this festival and what they can expect. Oh, it's a great festival, and it, it was uh, co-founded by Gerb Sian, who used to be on Spice Radio many years ago, so your listeners 
probably know him, and uh, and if they don't know him from from Space Radio, they may know him from Hockey Night in Canada in Punjabi. So, uh, and he puts together a great lineup every year. And so, so one of them he has is uh, Kathak dance lesson with Crystal Kieran, who just did the choreography uh, for one of the. the the shows at Theatre Under the Stars and has performed, toured as, as a soloist, um, you know, with the great A.R. Raymond. So we're talking about a major talent there. And so you can get a workshop there. And then another um, interesting uh, workshop is with Sahida Ramtula, who wrote uh, a play this year that was performed um Ismaili play, um, and so that's another another one. And then Adele Neron is back, who's uh, actor um, and uh, reading excerpts from published plays of South Asian artists. Um, there's an interactive theatrical game by Theater Conspiracy. The Punjabi Market is back. Uh, you know, it's a it's full of great events. And, uh, but what do you think? When Karen, you're uh, you've been going to this festival. Um, is there anything that stands out for you? Honestly, Charlie, I'm really excited about this particular year because we've been hit with kind of those COVID years, I want to call them. You know, a lot of things were done virtually, not too much in person. So this year, I'm really excited to like fully like immerse myself into this festival. I think one of the things I love is it's created this space for South Asian creatives. So whether you're interested in like podcasting, there's something on that, whether it's music, dance. And I I love the fact that they're wrapping it up at Main Street and 49. I think that's going to be a ton of fun. So just the fact that you get to meet fellow creatives, I think it's going to be a ton of fun, Charlie. Yeah. And I I also think that it's a testament to the talent within the South Asian community that Every year, the Monsoon Festival is presenting some incredible events. In the past, the theatrical productions have been just first-rate. You know, plays written by Panit Singh and Komagata Baru and uh, a trial of William Hopkinson. Um, you know, this is this is a first-rate festival in Vancouver. It is. It's an incredible one. So, Charlie, thanks for telling us about it. We're all looking forward to it. As always, appreciate your time. You take care. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.